You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact as told by the very changemakers that make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode number 19 of Behind the Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown, and in this episode, Admis Kinyagia, the Vice President of Social Impact at DigitalOcean, joins the show. From working at the Skid Row Housing Trust in LA, to leading social impact at GitHub, to growing DigitalOcean social impact, Admis has a wealth of knowledge and experience. This is an incredibly insightful episode, so sit back and enjoy it. With that, let's get into the show. Admes, welcome to Behind the Impact. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. I'm so excited to learn more about your background and learn more about DigitalOcean and all the fun things you're doing on the impact front on that side of the house. I did a little bit of research before the podcast and you're up to a lot, so I'm very excited to dive into that. But before we do, what I would like to do is to go back in time and learn more about how you actually got into the social impact profession. So if you can give me that quick little uh, overview of your, your career and how you got into the profession, let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. Very happy to share. Um, let's see, uh, you know, we can go really back, back in time, but, you know, I'll, I'll spare you quite a bit. Uh, so, you know, I've spent my entire career in the social sector uh, and in the social change business. I think what is often surprising to me is that how I ended up doing this work uh, for companies in the private sector. Uh, but really growing up being of service was something that was very important to me. I was actually born and raised in Kenya, in East Africa, to a mother who was a community health worker. And so this idea of giving back to community and giving back to um, on issues that are really important like that were really ingrained with me in me when I was very young. Uh, when my family immigrated to the United States, we immigrated to Southern California, and I we arrived at a really interesting time in the 90s, which was really at the height of the anti-immigration movement in California. For those who don't know, there actually was one in California in those days. Uh, so again, that was another really important lens of what, uh, and my immigrant experience is just another important lens that I bring into my work around just better understanding how underrepresented, underserved, and underestimated populations are treated, and also the opportunity really to find communities and allies in social change. Uh, and so when I started out my career after college, I was really interested in large macro issues like economic development. I was like, I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to go and I'm going to solve issues at the international level and address poverty alleviation for the UNDP. Um, but I didn't end up there. I actually ended up working for a small nonprofit in Skid Row, Los Angeles called Skid Row Housing Trust. And for those who may not know, Skid Row is a really interesting part of Los Angeles, a 50 block area that was known then as the homeless capital of the U.S. with over 5,000 people sleeping on the streets. Uh, and in that position, I just got to do impact work up close and personal. I had an opportunity to uh, drive innovative programs that addressed homelessness, to work directly with the population, but also to work on issues like advocacy, policy, and systems change. And I always say that everything I learned, I learned in Skid Row. Uh, but I also saw the limitations of that work, uh, the limitations of only being able to impact one community in Los Angeles, uh, when we know that at that time, homelessness was really rising all over the country. So 
I went to graduate school, again, with the idea that I need to learn, steal, borrow, you know, information and take it back to Skid Row so that I can make larger change and impact larger systems. And again, very serendipitously, I fell into strategy consulting, uh, but for the social sector. And I think then I was really thinking about in this whole social change ecosystem, where can we make the most and most impactful and sustainable change? Is it with government? Is it with philanthropy? Is it with nonprofits? Or is it with business? And I just wasn't sure. And so I ended up spending the next almost 10 years strategy consulting for social sector organizations. Uh, ended up working with a whole host of different kinds of organizations from state, federal, and local governments to philanthropy and foundations to community-based organizations to advocacy and policy coalitions. Uh, and in my last few years, I started to do work with companies. Uh, and in particularly around how companies can drive both good uh, and do well at the same time. I was working for a really innovative firm called FSG that had pioneered this idea of shared value, this idea that a business can find pockets of value for its business while addressing and pushing for societal change at the same time. And so, again, that's yet another lens that I bring to my work. And, you know, there are very many similar concepts out there, like stakeholder capitalism and purpose-driven capitalism. But this idea that, you know, businesses need to be in the social change business, um, that, you know, while the rest of the social sector is activated, the government sector, the nonprofit sector, that we had this gap and this opportunity really to bring the private sector along. And so that's what brought me to working with companies. And so um, my very first uh, inside role uh, was working for GitHub, which is a Microsoft subsidiary. I was there for almost four years leading social impact. I learned quite a ton there, both from doing that work at a company like GitHub, which was a, a, a like growing startup, uh, as well as having a view into how a company like Microsoft, uh, you know, does this work. And then most recently, I joined DigitalOcean about a year ago to help lead and start a new social impact program here. So, yeah, that's my story. Perfect. Now, there are a number of folks that listen to this podcast that are in a very similar boat as you were in the sense that they are in the nonprofit sector and they feel this pull into the corporate sector and they feel like they can come come in and have a much larger impact. What advice would you give somebody who wants to make that leap from the nonprofit space to the for-profit space in an impact role? Yeah, yeah, no, this uh, is advice I, I wish I got uh, when I made that first leap. Um, I think one really... Um, so really, really take advantage of the perspectives, knowledge, and expertise you have. Uh, the nonprofit sector and the government sector and others have been working on these very persistent and important social problems for a really long time. And so they do hold significant knowledge that is actually lacking in the private sector. And so I think one, think about ways of leveraging that experience, that knowledge, that idea of how you can really scale and expand impact and bring it bring it with you. Like don't, don't feel like that is a um, uh, sort of a deficiency or a gap in your capacity. If in anything, it isn't actually a superpower. And then I think the next thing is to also think a little bit about how businesses function. Uh, and this is where I think my shared value training came in like really and was so helpful because, you know, there are very many businesses that are altruistic, 
The reason for this work to sustain and endure is when we find that sweet spot where we can drive business value and address a social problem at the same time. And so taking those frames of doing both at the same time, I think, can help you find the opportunities that can actually stick, that can make impact for communities, and that businesses will continue to invest in over and over again. And so I think those two lessons, you know, would have been really helpful to me in my early journeys, and I hope can be helpful to those who are thinking about making the switch. And you mentioned GitHub, and I know GitHub has a very, very robust community of developers uh, that interact with it, um, and you led social impact there. What are some of the lessons you learned while there in terms of building and even scaling a program? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think one, um, it, it was this incredibly special place where we had an ecosystem approach to how we both drove the business and how we thought about social impact at the same time. Uh, and so, you know, from one perspective, I think also thinking about this wider community as an important stakeholder for us in our social impact work was really, really important. Like we couldn't do work that wasn't aligned, you know, with that wider community. Uh, and what we found in that community was just a lot of passion and excitement for social impact. Um, we found developers who are working on the side of their desks, who are dedicating their evenings and weekends to building, you know, technical tools and applications to address a social issue in their community or something that they had experienced. Uh, we found folks who were willing to put their hands up and say, hey, I want to help nonprofits to help fill the gap uh, around some of the technical issues that they may be facing. And then we also got exposure to really trying to bring open source as a concept, both in terms of tools, frameworks, and applications, and thinking about how they apply to the social sector. And so I think it was just this very unique opportunity to, to do this work in a very like ecosystem-driven approach uh, and to really leverage you know, the passion and sort of wider power of the developer community in our work. And that was, that was very unique, and, and uh, I, I very much uh, appreciated that about my time at GitHub. <laughs> and now I want to transition to DigitalOcean. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about what the company does? Yes. So uh, DigitalOcean uh, focuses on cloud computing, and our mission is that we want to simplify cloud computing so builders can spend more time creating software that changes the world. Uh, so we help um, develop developers, startups, small and medium-sized businesses rapidly build, deploy, and scale applications. Perfect. And can you talk a little bit about what social impact looks like at the company. And I know it's interesting because as, as I was kind of looking between DigitalOcean and GitHub, I see kind of uh, a connection between the two from a kind of developer community perspective. So I'd love to learn more about um, how that plays at uh, DigitalOcean as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when I, I decided to make the transition to DigitalOcean, it actually felt like I was just joining part of the family. You know, this was uh, by extension, a company that also is very community driven, a company that also has a lot of investment and, um, you know, a stake in the ground around open source and is really driven by a much larger purpose beyond just making money. <laughs> and so it felt like I was just, you know, we're still really part of the same family and, you know, uh, DigitalOcean and GitHub collaborate quite a bit. And so I came into DigitalOcean about a year ago 
Uh, and the reason why I joined the company is because we had decided to take, or the company had decided to take a pledge 1% commitment. And for those who may not know, this is a growing movement uh, that is helping early stage companies make a long-term impact by dedicating a portion of their stock, revenue, profits, or employee time to social causes. And when DigitalOcean went public in 2021, they decided to take the pledge and committed 1% of their pre-IPO valuation, somewhere to the tune of $50 million, to charitable initiatives over the next 10 years. And then they hired me to bring that vision to life. And so since I joined, I've been able to help the company launch what we call DO Impact, or Do Impact, which is DigitalOcean's global social impact program. Uh, we formally launched in April uh, of this year, April 2022, uh, to mark our one-year IPO anniversary and our 10-year company anniversary. And our program aims to empower change makers around the globe through our product, our philanthropy, and our sustainable footprint. And from, so for Do Impact, how has it evolved over time? So you mentioned that you joined and you launched it. So from April 2022 to till now, which isn't a, you know is a short period of time, okay. how has it evolved, or how do you how do you see it evolving as time goes on? Yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, what one of the things that we we've done is sort of take on what I call you know the three P framework. It's not very revolutionary, but uh, it's helpful in terms of remembering it. Uh, so focus on uh, product, philanthropy, and planet. Um, so I think in terms of our product work, that work will just continue to be a doubling down of some very early initiatives that actually preceded me at the company and thinking about how to grow and scale and expand them over time. And so you may have um, been familiar with uh, one of our flagship programs, which is called Holly's Hub for Good. This is a program that um, preceded me at the company that was started in 2020, uh, 2020 to help support nonprofits, develop and social entrepreneurs leverage Digital Ocean's infrastructure for social benefit and social purpose. And so that program has supported over 2,000 organizations to this date, and we only plan to continue to support even more, uh, both with providing our technology, providing cash grants to help support and facilitate operations and build capacity, and hopefully soon even direct the companies and employees' technical capacity and expertise to those organizations. And so I think in that area, we will only continue to double down our product, our technology, those are the most important levers we have to deploy on social causes and to help enable change makers, nonprofits, and others who are leveraging technology more than ever in their work. Uh, in our philanthropy area, that area is quite new to us. And so I think there um, earlier this year when we launched, we made our very first philanthropic commitment of about half a million dollars to 30 organizations that were working uh, as part of our Holly's Hub for Good program. And I think what we found there is that, you know, while nonprofits and other change makers 
love technology, they also have other significant capacity gaps and operational gaps and challenges. And so deploying our philanthropy and cash to help support them to be able to reach more constituents, to build more tools, to build more capacity was really important. And so we anticipate that we will continue to support you know, these kinds of organizations in the future with our philanthropy. Another key part of our philanthropy is employee engagement. And so not only are we activating around the company's philanthropy, we also want to activate our employees to give back their time, their money, and their expertise. And so we do have an employee giving program that is in place, a gift match program that allows us to match employee donations. We are starting to build, you know, traditional volunteering programs. And then what I'm so excited to, to talk about is we are also starting to think about ways in which employees can give back their skills and expertise as we see skills-based volunteering becoming yet another important lever and tool for employees to give back in social impact. And then in our final area of planet, I think that work is really around how we can think about, you know, having a much more sustainable footprint as a company. And we're starting to understand what that looks like. We're starting to understand, like, what is our footprint today? And what are the levers we have within the business, both to help drive reductions, to, to be able to invest in, uh, you know, in uh, climate focused organizations, and to sort of live into this new future as a sustainable company. And so I think those three areas will continue to be like really key priorities as we move forward. And, you know, we very much feel like we're still just getting started, uh, but very excited for, for the work to come. Mm -hmm. For the organizations that are actively part of the Holly Hub for Good, is there a criteria in place uh, that your team deploys to vet organizations or is it kind of more of a you'll you'll take anybody as long as they need the assistance? You know, we, we uh, try to have, um, you know, uh, criteria or maybe a, a set of um, considerations. So there is an application process. Um, you can find it on our website by looking for Holly's Hub for Good. There is a page. And the application asks a couple of things. I think one, most importantly, to, to, to share how your work and how your use of our infrastructure credits will be able to advance some sort of social benefit or social cause. Um, there isn't a requirement to be a traditional nonprofit because we do find, especially from our understanding of the developer community, there are volunteers, there are people who are just doing this work on their own. Uh, there are startups, there are social enterprises who also are very early in their journey and just need that support and who are working on really, really significant social benefit projects. And so really the most important criteria is that you are you can make a case that the work that you hope to do with our infrastructure credits is going to have some sort of social benefit and social purpose. Uh, we're very, very interested in supporting organizations from across the globe. And I do think the Holly's Up for Good you know, population very much reflects even our company's footprint, where we do have applications from almost every, you know, every country across the globe. Uh, and we want to continue to see that global impact over time uh, but really those are the really the most critical pieces <laughs> yeah i love that there is a part of the application process that you want the whether it's a nonprofit or social enterprise to kind of explain the why behind you know why do you need digital oceans support and etc cetera, etc cetera. and i find that a lot of companies that do have kind of a philanthropic arm 
they have some criteria in place, but they don't always ask the why. And mm. I feel like asking the why is a very important vetting, part of the vetting process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I think it's, it's, it's pretty clear, obviously, when mm -hmm. somebody has a why that doesn't resonate, that doesn't sort of tie, for example, to one of the sustainable development goals. That's another sort of framework we're trying to use in our work. Um, it's just very clear, you know, once when, when folks have to provide that rationale, whether or not they fit or not. And I think it's really important for us to ensure that, that we're not using, you know, maybe traditional criteria, like you just have to be a 501c3 nonprofit, because we know now that social change work is happening through all different kinds of entities, you know, and we do not need to be locked into sort of one organizational type. Uh, and as long as the why and the rationale is strong, we want to help enable that work to happen. From a from a skills-based volunteering perspective, how are you thinking about building that arm of uh, Digital Ocean's impact efforts? Yes, yes. So I think that, um, you know, there is so much exciting promise around skills-based volunteering. And, you know, luckily, this is not like an area that I have to figure out on my own. There's lots of other companies that we can learn from the models that they have they have uh, in place. Uh, and right now, what we're in the process of doing is piloting a couple of different ways of structuring the programs. I think one of the challenges that we will face is that it is resource intensive. You know, we're asking employees not to spend an hour, but to sort of dedicate anywhere between 20 to 40 hours on a single project to sort of understand what the commitment is and then also to help support uh, both the nonprofit or the organization that's requesting support, as well as the employees themselves as they go through this process of working this on this project together. And that is a resource-intensive project process. And so I think what we're trying to understand in our pilots is like, what's the right level of, 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 um, of like resources that we can dedicate to this to allow us to have increased scale? Um, we know the most valuable work happens when people can like dig in and like get down and dirty and like really be able to help this and support the organizations address their issues. But we're trying to see about how do we how do we find and right size that appropriately so we can have as many employees participate if, if needed. Or perhaps we have different models. We have maybe a day long like, um, you know, event where employees can just plug in for that day and then much longer projects for those kinds of things that might require much more time. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm giving, giving employees some flexibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but understanding that their, their expertise is so critical. And what we're hearing from, you know, those nonprofits who are reaching out to us is that they need technology and technical expertise, mm -hmm. but they not also need capacity in other areas, such as marketing. They need expertise and support in other areas, such as financial planning. And so also that's part of what we're trying to do is also develop models of like how can we tap into those different groups across the companies and at what pace that would be most appropriate for the scale we want to achieve. And what does the social impact team look like at DigitalOcean right now? Yes, yes. So I'd like to say we are a small and mighty team. Uh, and, you know, I think that is very much by design. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I want this work to endure way after Admus is gone. 
And uh, while we do need some capacity and support on the team to like get the work done, we also spend a lot of time working cross-functionally and in collaboration with other areas of the company. And sort of my vision is how can I take much of the work we're doing and embed it into normal day-to-day practices and operations of those other business units. And so we have a team of three right now, uh, which is myself. Uh, We have one team member that is sort of focused on all of our work under the product pillar. So that includes Holly's Hub for Good, as well as other work we hope to do with helping support nonprofit customers and helping to build capacity for those customers who, again, are using our technology for some social purpose. Uh, And then I have another employee that is also focused uh, on sort of a couple of different things from employee engagement, employee giving and volunteering, to strategic communications, to also starting to think about our ESG strategy. And again, these are all sort of a a myriad of things that we all sort of have to hold and be experts in at the same time. Uh, But my hope is in, you know, three, four, five years, all of this work is normally embedded into our product team, into our sales team, into our marketing team. So again, it's not working, you know, in isolation and in a vacuum from the rest of the company, but it's just part of how we do our business. And so I hope to keep the team small for, to achieve that purpose. <laughs> okay, so I, I am always impressed with large teams and how a small social impact team is able to essentially deploy a large team in terms of volunteering and giving back. Most of the individuals that I've spoken to for this podcast, especially there are either three people or less. And so there's a lot that goes into, as you know, building a social impact program, having employee engagement. And now you got to layer on ESG and all these other uh, things uh, you know, underneath the kind of impact umbrella. How are you leveraging um, employees other than your small team um, to essentially expand your capabilities as a social impact team? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, is, it has to be a critical part of the process. And so that can happen in a couple of ways. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, at GitHub, we actually experimented with a few ways of doing this. I think one um, developing advisory committees of employees to provide input and to actually participate in parts of the portfolio are really critical. And so, for example, at GitHub, we had a Tech for Social Good program, and we launched an employee advisory committee where employees who had passion, excitement, and time could actually participate and take you know, a pieces of the work on themselves and help be active partners to the social impact team. And we got really great reception from that model. And uh, because, again, these employees could also see that as an extension of their current roles. Uh, We also, you know, had really great support from managers and other executives and leaders who, like, wanted their employees also to participate and give back in these ways. And so that's sort of one way that we can activate employees. Um, We use a lot of, you know, cross-functional groups here at, uh, at GitHub to help, sorry, at DigitalOcean 
in uh, to help drive uh, pieces of the work. So a really great example is in thinking about our ESG and sustainability work. Again, that's much larger than just our social impact team. That reaches really across the entire organization uh, from our operations team to our legal team to our finance team and others. And so we leverage a lot of cross-functional teams and, and uh, to be able to drive pieces of the work. And I think all of this sort of hinges on getting executive support and buy-in and alignment early uh, because you know, I think there's a recognition, and I think this is probably true of many other companies, is that the expertise does sit within the social impact team. And what we become a sort of like an incubator and a facilitator for that expertise to grow and to be embedded across the company. And so we often do that by trying to also find value and alignment in helping to drive different, you know, um, departmental or business unit goals as well uh, to find that alignment and executive buy-in. And once we have those shared goals, then it's really, really easy to get, you know, other teams to help contribute and participate. And what's really great is DigitalOcean does a number of things in a very cross-functional way, not just our social impact work. And so there's also embedded practice and, and culture that much of the work we do, we don't do alone, we do together. So you hit on a topic that is in my opinion, something that typically holds companies back from actually launching programs, and that's executive buy-in. In your experience, what have you seen work when it comes to getting executives to buy into social impact and everything that comes with it? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a, a really important topic and, and one that I'm, you know, constantly like wrestling with. So I think on one hand, um, one of the reasons I joined DigitalOcean is because the, the pledge 1% commitment that the executives had taken on to me was an important signal of the leadership and the board's both interest as well as commitment to social impact, you know, by dedicating these number of resources and setting them aside, you know, that was a signal that the company was ready, that the company, at least the executives were ready to take this on. And that was really, really helpful to me to knowing that I was not going to spend the first year or two at the company case making uh, or rationalizing for the resources that are needed to do the program. That, that work was already done before I got here. And so I think most importantly, is like try to find those signals of commitment uh, from the executive team that you can take and leverage in the work that you do moving forward. And it happens all the time in my conversations with executives where they're like, oh, Admas, you know, we took the pledge, so we have to do this. Like we said, we were going to do this, so this is what we want to do. And so... You know, if you can find opportunities where companies have already made similar commitments in advance, that's always helpful. But that's also unique, you know, like that's definitely not commonplace or, or ubiquitous across companies. Um, and so most of the time you're spending time building that buy-in. Uh, and I think that it can happen in a couple of ways. I think one, by making it really clear that the social impact work is not altruistic alone. Mm -hmm by really finding ways of demonstrating to executives all the incredible business outcomes and impacts that can happen concurrently in relation to, or even because of the social impact work that you're taking on. And again, there, 
you know, we have incredible examples really across companies of where companies have been able to do well and do good. There's lots of frameworks that are out there that can be leveraged to do this and really powerful examples where companies have been able to drive revenue from new markets or, you know, find incredible ways of saving costs in operations or enable to build like employee like engagement and retention over time. And so what's great is like some of those like cases have a already being made. And it's about making that visible for executives and translating that context to your own company. And so I think that is really critical for executive buy-in. The other piece that's also, I think, really helpful is benchmarking, benchmarking against other companies. And, you know, when I started out my journey in social impact, you know, almost over 20 years ago, there weren't a lot of examples of companies like doing well and doing good at the same time. And so we're in a very different place now where there's been this incredible sea change really across the private sector. They've been enduring and sort of, you know, ongoing examples of how companies have been able to do this. And if you look at the sort of, you know, com- you know competitive peer set of your company, sort of elevating like how others are also doing in comparison to you can be really helpful in that case making that you need to do in the very beginning uh, because executives don't want to be left behind. <laughs> they don't want to be left behind in comparison to their peer set. And that can be really a powerful tool in getting the buy-in that you need. That's such great advice. Yeah. When you think about your program right now and where you're trying to go, is there anything that stands out that really gets you excited that you can share publicly? Uh, let's see. So we talked quite a bit about our skills-based volunteering program, which I'm very, very excited about and you know, excited to sort of share more publicly and expand our pilot set once we've sort of figured out what are the right models to make it work. Um, I want to say that the other sort of things that I'm excited about is also thinking another key large undertaking we've been taking on this year is really understanding our ESG sort of strategy uh, and better understanding where are those focus areas that we need to address as a business. And that, you know, is it's a really interesting time to be having those conversations, especially in the wake of some of the backlash that we have been seeing, you know, in the context around ESG. And it's a really like difficult conversation too as well because it's bringing up really important and strategic questions about how do we balance sort of areas where we have vulnerabilities how do we manage these larger externalities that may be caused through our business and how do we make investments not just for this year but in perpetuity to be able to support those priorities and so you know we'll definitely have more to share specifically on that in the future but it is such important work and I'm constantly constantly workshopping this with like other social impact peers of mine who are all having these very critical conversations about how should companies should be taking this on. Okay. Last question for you, Agnes. <laughs> when it comes to your role in social impact, what is the most meaningful thing about being in this profession? Gosh. Um, You know, I would say the community. Uh, I could not do this work without the countless support, encouragement, advice, late night calls from other social impact leaders uh, who all have just, you know, are so committed 
to addressing these larger problems in the world around us that are so committed to sharing information, knowledge, and networks. Um, it's just been the biggest surprise, and I think one of the most amazing things that I've discovered as part of my role is that the, no one is really competitive. Everybody wants all of us to do well because there's this larger purpose of us making a difference in the world. And so I would say that, you know, community has been one of the most, like, you know, important pieces of this work um, that I hope to take on, you know, even in the many other future careers that I may have, that you really don't have to solve this on your own and there are just so many people and so many others who are just willing to share and support you to be able to reach our larger goal of making this world a better place you know what's interesting i had a conversation with an acquaintance i believe it was yesterday actually and we were talking about and i kind of asked her the same question like what did you what about social impact what is it what excites you and what's the most meaningful thing about being in this profession and she mentioned the same exact thing the community and you're right. You know, folks in the social impact community, they're not competing against each other. They're, it's everyone is pushing towards the same goal. Yeah. And there's not one company or organization that's going to change the world. It, it's actually a collective. And so that's actually that's one of my favorite things about kind of yeah. kind of being the 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 uh, the forefront of this uh, profession and leading social impact world, for example, is the community and being able to meet people like yourselves and and just kind of champion folks who are actually in the weeds, in the trenches, trying to you know turn their companies into forces for good. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was good. I, th I knew that would resonate with you as well quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, it's sort of the reason why I'm here today. But uh, I just, um, you know, and, and the friendships as a result that I've built, the relationships, deep relationships I've built from being in the trenches together. Um, it is something that I will always treasure uh, about this work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Admis, thank you so much for joining me. I loved learning all about your background and what DigitalOcean is up to. So I am going to be watching and rooting for you and your team um, as you kind of go down this path of building or turning DigitalOcean into a force for good. And it sounds like and looks like you're off to a very good start. Thank you so much, Jeremy. This is a wonderful conversation and, you know, look forward to more conversations together as part of this wider community. This episode is brought to you by Social Impact World, the exclusive community for social impact leaders. To learn more, go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.